Hello, friend. Let me ask you, do you sometimes struggle in relationships? Can you bring your authentic self without thoughts or fears that the other person will become angry, belittle you, or reject you? Perhaps you haven't met your authentic self. That's a very real possibility. Do you feel like you're living to please others or serve them when you know you're being manipulated or abused? Final question. Would you like to stop the madness? If you answered yes to even one of the questions, you may have some codependency traits and tendencies. You can do something to change the dynamic of the imbalanced dysfunctional relationship. In this episode, learn about codependency and how it influences who we are, what we say, and what we do. This is a recording of my codependency testimony delivered at a Monday night meeting at Celebrate Life in Clymer, Pennsylvania. Welcome, friend, to the Move Your Heart podcast, the show where you can come in unashamedly just as you are, fully you, in how you think, how you feel, and how you're living your life, no matter what that looks like. I'm your host, Val Brown. Thank you for joining me today for this episode, Codependency, a snippet of my story. All right. Codependency is often our first reaction. The recovery process is learning how to respond to what comes up. Recovery is freedom. Freedom is doing life in new ways with God and other humans. Freedom is worth the work it takes to get free. True recovery happens only as the Lord reveals and heals the heart. These are two truths that the Lord taught me in my codependency discovery and recovery. Hello, my name is Val, and I'm a very grateful follower of Jesus. Although I led the group, I was learning about codependency with my sister friends in the group. The Christian Codependency Recovery Workbook was our guide. We found the study enlightening, challenging, and so worth the year of work we invested. Coming into the codependency study, I was prepared to find areas where I struggle, but I didn't come in with an expectation for dramatic change. But I brought my heart to the table and I prayed as I often do the prayer from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Put me to the test and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. The author's summation of codependency is, it is a set of learned coping skills used to function in an environment that is imbalanced and dysfunctional. To help us understand a codependency relationship, it is necessary to understand both people in the relationship. Our book called The Other Personality in the Codependent's Life, The Behaviorally or Chemically Addicted Person. We affectionately call that person the BCAP. The behaviorally addicted person can be unavailable emotionally, spiritually, or physically. 
The person can be aggressive, controlling, and manipulative to get their needs met. Other times they can be charming and sensitive, which makes the relationship very confusing and hurtful for the codependent. Getting their own personal wants and needs fulfilled is at the root of their behavior, which will continue as long as their abusive ways work to control the codependent who enables them. Why change? It works. The chemically addicted personality is easier to identify. Their lifestyle involves drugs or alcohol, and they too can exhibit the above behavior patterns. In a coping or compensating response, the codependent person's behavior enables and feeds the dysfunction. The codependent needs to be needed, loved, and accepted so the unhealthy relationship continues. Interestingly, the codependent has their own controlling behaviors. They may seek to manage, rescue, or attempt to fix the BCAP to fill their deep inner needs. The term codependent merely means that both have to be in the equation. Codependency in life develops almost unnoticed. We don't know why we are the way we are, but codependency traits and tendencies form as a result of what we observe through the window we look through in life. It's obvious to me now that codependency had been in me as a young girl growing up in an alcoholic household, and I carried it into my imbalanced marriage. But like a relative you haven't met, I knew nothing about my relationship with codependency. When our life sphere is imbalanced and dysfunctional, our thoughts, which become beliefs, are often unhealthy. The author calls those faulty beliefs. In other words, we should find fault in them, but to the codependent, they're normal. Try to remember that term, faulty beliefs. Codependency's root is internal brokenness that manifests, manifests in a variety of behaviors to cope or compensate. If the coping skills to compensate for the brokenness aren't recognized for what they are, a codependent will struggle to engage with others in a healthy way far into life. I struggled in relationships because of the view through my life's window. This is my story. In January 2019, I approached Jackie to ask if she might need some help in some way. I shared, I've been through a lot and I think I can help other ladies who are struggling. She answered that she was glad that I wanted to help in the ministry and in order to help other ladies, I'd have to complete a step study, which would take approximately a year. I had no idea what I was signing up for when I began the study a month later. I came into the study as a Christian with emotional baggage and I didn't even know it. I heard every Monday night, everyone has a hurt, habit, or hang up. Inside, I answered, not me. I don't have hurts or hang-ups. I'm living above my hurts, and I'm not hung up on anything. I thought only weak or untaught Christians struggle with those things. It wasn't pride that made me answer that way, but being stronger than my weaknesses helped me cope. That was codependency. Jeremiah 6.14 says, You can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Nothing changes until something changes. 
It didn't take long to recognize that I really wasn't in control of anything. I truly was powerless in myself. I wasn't managing my life well, and I needed help. I was ready to work the process. One month into the study, I crawled down from the throne of my life and took a blue chip to acknowledge my commitment to begin the emotionally difficult work of dredging up all of the painful memories from my childhood, and I'd have to work through my many years of pain living in an imbalanced, unbalanced, I'm sorry, relationship, marriage. That chip became my codependency chip just for the mere fact that I had relinquished control. That was the one thing that I understood about codependency. At the end of that step study, because I had done the work of feeling and processing the impacts of my hurts, I was able to say, what she did really, really hurt me, and I forgive her. And what he did really, really hurt me, and I forgive him. Then I took my hurt file to the foot of Jesus' cross, knowing he died for their sin as he had mine, and I released them from the wrongs they had done to me. Leaving the hurt file there felt like a bag of garbage. I saw myself turn and walk away. That was the close of chapter one in my recovery work. Here I am four years after that initial step study and I am still discovering more fallout from my brokenness, learning the many facets of this thing called codependency and working through each issue one at a time with the Lord. To tell you a little more about myself, I grew up in a home with a disabled alcoholic father, four siblings and my mother, who taught me how to avoid conflict, how to lay aside personal needs, and how to survive in a volatile relationship. She excused dad's alcoholism by saying he has a disease, thereby absolving him of responsibility for his explosive behavior when he drank. I now see that mom modeled codependency very well, and I watched and learned her coping mechanisms. Unmet basic needs early in life can lead to coping mechanisms and trying to find ways to compensate for the loss. This is codependency in action. It was in the first step study that I saw how my early life circumstances imprinted harmful messages in my soul. Being a welfare kid created my identity of being a less than. Dad's inability to provide for our needs and his volatile behavior created my insatiable need for security and safety. In the codependency study, I learned that taking control of my life to find security and safety is a codependent trait. God designed us to be in a relationship with him so that we can know his character and his ways, thereby finding that we can trust him. As much as I could trust him in other areas, my heart didn't feel safe letting go of securing my well-being. Identity is an area I worked on in our codependency study. Embracing and expressing my authentic identity through revealing my thoughts and feelings in an area has been scary for me sometimes in my life for fear of being rejected, another codependent character trait. What a codependent does is trade their authentic identity to find a way to people please. Yes, people pleasing is another identifier of a codependent. Related to identity are the codependency traits of perfectionism and performance to validate worth. 
These were traits I developed in my adult life to compensate for the faulty belief of, I'm not good enough, that had formed in my younger years. Making a mistake made me feel like a failure, so I strove for perfection and high performance. I also scrutinized and judged others for their shortcomings, which is also a codependency trait. Rejection is difficult for anyone, and it's super scary for the codependent. We'll go to great lengths to avoid it because early ex earlier experiences have taught us how traumatic that feels. I had some experience with it in school when I didn't fit into cliques, but in the summer I turned 16, I experienced big league, big league rejection. I was away for the summer, working in the tobacco fields of Connecticut, enjoying some independence for the first time, and I was making money. Staying in a cabin with friends and enjoying weekend dances when a boys camp came over felt amazing and fun. Aside from the heat, the stickiness of the tobacco leaves and sighting the occasional tobacco worm, it was great. But it all crashed with a phone call home. It was then that I learned that my parents were divorcing. My mother had been fishing with a 19-year-old whose class ring I once wore, but was never allowed to see outside our home. They were now in a relationship. I came home to mom gone and dad going in and out of drunken episodes, despite the fact that my younger siblings were still in his care. Within weeks of abandoning the family, she showed up with him, unannounced, parked outside our home. They quickly got my four siblings into his car and she told me she was taking them. When I asked if I could come to get away from dad, she said I couldn't come. I understood why, but the sting of her rejection without any empathy for me cut and wounded my heart like a knife cutting flesh. Mom never felt remorse and that hurt too. It was easier to just not think about what happened to me. And I came up with a saying that put the attention on her. When family members hurt for me, I would say, that's just how she is. My codependency coping mechanism didn't work for me as the hurt was always there. Even I sat, as I sat with her in her hospital, in the hospital near the end of her life. Mom was the she of whom you heard me say what she did really, really hurt me and I forgive her. Codependency's roots are always dysfunction and brokenness. Those were surely my roots in so many areas. The study book says, quote, in truth, codependency can develop or exist wherever relationships, past or present, are love deficient. It also occurs when we look for something from the outside to fill an inner void. Since that inner void can only be filled by God, a codependent unknowingly attempts to put a person, situation, or thing in God's place. Before we get overwhelmed by that definition, recognize that by default, all human beings do this. Therefore, it would be technically correct to say that all people are at some point codependent. Close quote. Think about that. Truly, all of us have unmet needs, hurt, and brokenness because we live in a broken world. The gaping holes inside us need to be filled, so we begin searching for something, anything, to fill that space so that it doesn't feel so empty, so that it doesn't hurt so much. 
Seeking something to fill the void is exactly what I did after mom left. I searched for a boyfriend, someone who would choose me and love me, and I found him in a pack of underage drinking teens who became drinking and drug-using teens. Though this was something I thought I would never do, I lived the lifestyle for about a year and a half before I felt disillusioned with the culture and ashamed of my sin. I cried out to God to ask him if he would please take me back. Of course, he came quickly for his prodigal daughter. Jesus, in essence, said, you're mine and I love you. I felt his mercy and kindness, and I set my whole heart to follow him forever, even if no one went with me. My heart was so set that I told my then fiance, I can't marry you because I can't live that lifestyle anymore. But with just enough adjustments from him, we remained engaged and eloped to be married. A year later, we were both 19 years old. Even though his heart wasn't sold out to follow God as mine was, I thought I could influence him to change the bad things I saw in him. Soon I discovered that I had placed myself into another dysfunctional relationship with his own deficiencies and addictions. Let me tell you, my codependent mindset and the many ways I tried to get my husband to change failed miserably. One year into the marriage, I was a 20-year-old with a newborn. My life wasn't the life I had imagined. His manner of love could not fill the love void I felt in my soul. I felt depressed and hopeless and stuck for eternity because of my vows. I didn't know it then, but the way I know God intimately now truly fills my love void. Many tears and pain are recorded on the pages that document my life, as are all the ways I used codependency coping skills to survive on the marriage battlefield. The Lord has taught me how to express my needs, how to claim for the first time the rightness and healthiness of having different thoughts and opinions, and I've learned to say, that's not okay. <coughs> I can't tell you how wonderful it feels to be my authentic self and to bring it out to others. My husband was the he of whom you heard me say what he did really, really hurt me, and I forgive him. One of the most meaningful chapters in our study was the chapter called Emotional Strongholds. Our group invested one month here. Controlling my emotions by stifling them is something I really lived in my 20s. I learned this codependent trait from my church culture, which taught me to control my emotions. I translate that, translated that as, to be a stable Christian, I can't have emotional highs or lows. So I suppressed both good and bad emotions. Flatlining my emotions, thankfully, didn't last long. Denying and overriding my feelings frustrated and confused me because I felt one way, but the other side of me had to ignore or override how I felt. At one point, having two me's inside me made me think, I'm crazy. What if I am crazy? I might have overridden the original negative emotions, but it was replaced with feeling scared and lonely and masking my emotions so that others couldn't see the instability inside me. Only now can I see that the struggle was brought on because I wasn't taught how to handle my emotions appropriately. Now when I'm struggling to know what's going on inside me, I invite God to search my heart. 
My humble cry always connects me to God as I bring my authentic self, knowing that he knows what is in every chamber of my being and he's not repulsed by what he sees. I sense his nearness and his love and his words are always kind. Together we process my thoughts and emotions. That's the healthy way to handle emotions. Our book taught us about a codependent behavior called external referencing. The author defines external referencing as using people or outside circumstances as a reference point for everything in our lives. External referencing is the root cause in all areas that I worked on in the codependency study. That can be searching for something on the outside to validate our worth, or it can be letting our environment rule our life through a person or circumstance. I was able to see with Holy Spirit's help how forcefully external narrative presents itself to me, luring me to follow it in a situation as it tells me how to think, how to feel, and what I should do. When we follow an external narrative, that means that we have disconnected from our authentic selves to make adjustments in those areas. Often, that's a people-pleasing effort, which is a codependency trait. Sadly, we, the codependent, are left feeling empty, angry, disappointed, and disconnected because we have dishonored and denied our authentic thoughts and emotions and what we truly wanted to say or do. <clears throat> Another issue I confronted in the study was my self-imposed feelings of guilt and shame I carried because in my mind I fell short of being a good mother. And that <coughs> one thing was so very important to me. I deemed I had failed in so many ways. Why? Because I was too strict with Beth. Because I forgot Jesse wanted to go into the National Guard. Because Nicole struggles and I think it's my fault. Because I took Erica's silky pillow from her too young. Because I didn't play with them enough or pray with them enough or for them enough. And I haven't been a good grandmother because fill in the blank. It is astounding how codependency can rule our thoughts and emotions at times. I had to pause in the study to process these thoughts and feel those feelings. Afterward, I asked God for the millionth time to please make up for my failures in my girls' and my grandchildren's lives. Concluding that God is never in shame and condemnation, I permitted myself some grace and forgiveness for my legitimate failures and for all that I did and didn't do. I said, I did the best that I could for where I was at the time. That's enough. But honestly, the temptations still come around to convince me to give away the grace and peaceful resolution I received. Philippians 3.13, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Lord is helping me to leave behind my many unhealthy thoughts and tendencies, and I am indeed pressing forward in the call of God on my life. I'm definitely a work in progress, and that's okay. I'm practicing and winning lots of battles because of what I learned in the codependency study 
under the training of Holy Spirit. My eyes have been opened to see hidden things per participating uh, through participating in two-step studies and through this recent codependency study because Holy Spirit and I did some intentional soul searching. Now, don't laugh at me for what I'm going to tell you next. The study had concluded and my mama heart still ached because I had taken my daughter's silky pillow. How could I have done that, I asked myself. I believe the thought that came next was a love gift from God to me. I can search Amazon for a replacement. The search for her exact pattern failed, so I tweaked the search filters and my eyes fell on a beautiful silk floral pillowcase. I became filled with joy. I can send the pillowcase with the, the new travel size my pillow I already have, and she can actually use this in her home. When the pillowcase arrived and I saw how truly beautiful it was in every way, my excitement meter pegged. I retrieved my travel pillow and quickly searched for the perfect blank card. In it I wrote, to my Erica, you're probably wondering why you're getting this little pillow and a silk pillowcase. Here's the story. When I think back to the mom I've been to each of you girls, I have regrets and wishes for a do-over. For you, I'm sorry for taking from two-year-old you, your blue and white checked silky pillow. I remember how very upset you were, even so angry with me. I remember us looking into each other's eyes when you stopped fighting. We looked at each other as if to ask, what just happened here? I can't go back, but it will do my heart much good for you to receive this pillow set from me. Please forgive me for hurting you. I love you. XXOO, mom. She received my surprise gift and sent me a text that said, Mom, did you mean to make me cry 33 years later? Seriously, so sweet. And why are you so stinking cute? <laughs> she really stretched that out. <laughs> when I answered, so can you forgive me? She replied, I forgive you for everything. And you know I don't remember those things. I loved my childhood. I've always thought that, and you have always been the best influence on my life. I don't think you realize that. You make me want to be better. I love you. Oh, codependent Valerie, why are you so hard on yourself? I now understand the faulty foundations for my personal struggles and the struggles I have in personal relationships. For all of the emotions I feel, the Lord holds none of them against me, and he wants me to come to him just as I am so that I can find help in my time of trouble and trial. I do come, and I do find empathy, and I do find help, and I do find correction for my soul when necessary. He does it all with extreme gentleness and love. Sometimes I feel weary as I progress in my forward in my journey, and Holy Spirit faithfully whispers to me, you're trying to do life on your own again. Just those words remind me of his love and his desire to do life with me. And I, one more time, invite him to walk with me. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. I'll close with a quote from our codependency guide. Through our own recovery process, 
we can alter the harmful ways we have engaged in this behavior. Breaking the cycle of enablement does not always come easy, however. If one person does recover, the other party may initially resent it. Still, the truth is that when the cycle is disrupted, the relationship has a much better chance of eventually becoming healthy." Close quote. I pray that something in my story helps you. May God bless you on your journey, and thank you for listening. Friend, as you listen to my codependency testimony, could you identify with some of my struggles? If you have unprocessed pain or other emotions that you have dismissed, I invite you to take your struggles to the Lord. You heard me say, for all of the emotions I feel, the Lord holds none of them against me, and He wants me to come to Him just as I am so that I can find help in my trouble and trial. Friend, I hope you have a conversation today with the living God who sees you and loves you so very much. Bring your heart to change your life. And friend, listen to episode number three, Being Honest in Emotions, Let's Talk About It, for more help on processing your emotions. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share with a friend or two today. And I thank you very much for joining me, and God bless you.